The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by IBM. Big data at the speed of business. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. I want to take a moment to extend a special welcome to members of our armed forces who are joining us over the Internet, and also to the executive staff at Walmart Corporation in Bentonville for hosting my visit there last week. Thank you for your warm hospitality. In just a moment, the first African-American female to be elected to the United States Senate, Ms. Carol Mosley Braun, will be joining us. She calls herself a recovering politician. And in the next hour, we're going to find out about life after breaking a historic race and gender barrier. But before Ms. Braun joins the program today, let me tell you a little about her background. Carol Elizabeth Mosley was born in Chicago, Illinois, to a father who was a police officer and mother who was a hospital medical technician. Mosley was an exceptional student, earning her undergraduate degree from the University of Illinois and her law degree from the University of Chicago School of Law. She landed her first job as an assistant in the U.S. Attorney's Office in Chicago through 1977 when she turned her attention to becoming a representative in the Illinois House of Representatives, a position she served until 87. During her tenure, she was known for working on education, government, and health care reform and rose to the post of assistant majority leader. In 88, Braun assumed the role of Cook County Recorder of Deeds, allowing her to oversee hundreds of employees and manage the agency's multi-million dollar budget. Then in 91, Mosley threw her hat in the ring for Senator of Illinois, and against all odds, she prevailed, catapulting her to become the first African-American woman to win election to the United States Senate. But if her colleagues were expecting Mosley to blindly vote along party lines, they were in for a big surprise. This was a woman who was used to thinking for herself. She voted in favor of the Common Sense Product Liability Act, the Balanced Budget Amendment, the Freedom to Farm Act, the Telecommunication Act, and in favor of a nuclear waste repository in Nevada, all in spite of her staunch liberal track record on social policy issues. She served on the Finance Committee, the Small Business Committee, the Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs Committee, and authored the Education Infrastructure Act aimed at channeling funds to underfunded schools in low-income neighborhoods. After retiring from the Senate in 99, Mosley was appointed ambassador to New Zealand and Samoa by President Clinton. When the assignment ended in 2001, she began teaching and pursuing one of her great passions, pushing the frontiers of sustainable farming, something we're going to hear a lot more about later in the program. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Costa Report a leader who's been forging new ground wherever she goes, Ms. Carol Mosley Braun. Thank you for joining us today, Ms. Braun. Well, thank you so much. That was about the best introduction I think I've ever heard, and I'd like to copy it if I can. Thank you so much for that lovely introduction. Well, thank you for making time to to be with us today. Now, now earlier I mentioned that you call yourself a recovering politician, so I have to ask you whether you're recovering from blazing new trails as the first black female senator, or is it just politics in general? Well, you know, it's electoral politics. Obviously, I stay concerned about uh, community and uh, engaged in my own way in, in the issues, but I'm not involved with the electoral, you know, horse racing that's going on and and uh, and getting involved in campaigns per se anymore. Um, it's kind of difficult, but at the same time, there's so much that needs to be done. Uh, and I'm involved, I'm on the board of a homeless shelter, for example, and I'm, I'm involved with the National Organization for Women. And uh, so I still have, I keep my, my fingers in, in the community pot, if you will, but, I, but, I, but I'm not involved in electoral politics anymore. 
And you sound happy about that. (laughs) (laughs) You do. You you sound like you're very happy living this life and and, uh, and helping in the community. Well, you know, I, I tell people I'm on my fourth career. All right, I've been a I've been a lawyer, I've been an elected official, I've been a diplomat, and now I'm an entrepreneur. And I'm I'm learning every day and I think that frankly that's the real challenge to keep the keep the old the, the gray cells they call the poor world calls them, uh, to keep the little gray cells working and learning and I'm learning a lot as an entrepreneur. I'm actually having a chance to witness firsthand the result of some of the policy that I even, you know, helped make back when I was uh, a legislator. Uh, and and, I, and I'm in a place that I'm just passionate about, uh, which is sustainable, sustainability and sustainable agriculture. So this allows me an opportunity to not only learn, but also to engage a conversation about sustainable agriculture, about nutrition, about how we deal with permaculture and our planet um, in a way and climate change. I get to be involved with all of those issues in a, in a new way, and it's just a lot of fun. <laughs> so now, in, now, in just a moment, we're going to be diving into um, your passion for biodynamic farming. Uh, but before we do that, let, let me ask you one more question about breaking the race and gender barrier, because uh, that was historic. And uh, But despite that historic achievement, there still seems to be um, very little diversity in government. Do you have any thoughts about that? Well, you look to the money. It's always, I mean, particularly now, I, I was in, in, in government at a time before the Citizens United decision uh, allowing corporations to uh, engage in political donations and fundraising. Um, and, and it was bad then. It's worse now. And it really is about money. And the money it, it becomes a, um, a really a, a hurdle for people of color, for women, um, for people of different ethnicities and different religions, it becomes a very difficult, a very high hurdle to overcome. And well, uh, why is that? Why is that more of a hurdle for a person of color? Well, think about it. I mean, most of the wealth in this country and the corporate leadership in this country is not by held by African Americans. I mean, the, the numbers tell us that of the CEOs, I think African Americans in this country are about one percent of the CEOs of any company. Uh, and so we're, we're talking about an economic imbalance that has that has historic roots, of course, and uh, and that economic balance then perpetuates itself by giving uh, a financial edge to people who come out of uh, to people who come out of majority communities as opposed to people of color and women and other groups that are, are less mainstream. Right. Um, I, you know, I used to be of that same thinking, but um, I was so impressed with how President Obama raised funds over the Internet in small contributions by getting uh, people to uh, not only participate, right, and get engaged in his election, but also the the raising of the money part. With the Internet these days, is it possible to use the Internet to equalize that? <clears throat> Well, you know what, I, that, that's actually being tested out, and I suspect if not equalized, it certainly can help to provide balance. Everything from, um, from the, uh, you know, the Kickstarter-type uh, fundraising yeah, that's available uh-huh. on the private sector side. Um, um, I mean, I must get 22 emails a day from people who are using the Internet to reach me and ask for money. Um, uh, uh, I know, and, and again, uh, President Obama frankly, uh, enjoyed what in, in the business we call a first-mover advantage. That is to say, nobody else had done it that way. When he ran for the presidency, uh, Internet fundraising was brand new, and, yes. the, and the capability, the capacity to do it had not yet been developed. Well, you know, he was able to get out in front of that particular curve, and now, uh, you know, there are a lot of people who do it, but again, you still have to have the resources, the money on the front end to, if you will, hire the talent and to pass the money primary. And that's always that's always a stumbling block for women and, and, and people of color. But uh, hopefully the Internet will give um, will help flatten um, the, 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 the distortion that exists in terms of fundraising. But well, yeah, at the very least, it creates an option, you know, uh, another uh, venue for raising money. 
Well, that's right. But mm-hmm. the real issue is the role of money in our politics. We have to be, I think every citizen who cares about the future of our democracy has to be concerned about the way, the role of money. Our elections are so expensive. What you're looking at basically is a multi-billion dollar unregulated industry. And mm-hmm. see, you know what you're doing? You're pulling me to talk about politics. Oh, no, no, no. We're going we're gonna to drop the politics. I, I didn't want to go there because we've got a lot of other important things to talk <laughs> about today. So we're going to go ahead and take our first break, but stay right where you are because when, we're gonna come, when we come back, we're going to talk about life after the Senate and how sustainability became Braun's next mountain to climb. You're listening to the Costa Report. I'm here today with Scott Caraccioli of Caraccioli Cellars, and I have a question for you, Scott. What goes into making Method Champenois Bubble? You know, it's a process that's really defined by the French government that we've taken and enacted into our wines, which really drive the quality of our sparkling project. So this is a process that the French government defines pretty specifically, and you remain faithful to that. Yeah, 100%, and in some places we push it a little bit. Now, how do the bubbles translate on the palate? You know, it really gives you that vehicle, that mousse for the character of the sparkling wine, carrying the fruit and the complexity. It's the expression of the wine. To find out more about Caraccioli Wines, visit us at www.caracciolicellars.com or stop by our tasting room in downtown Carmel, California. That's Caraccioli Cellars, C-A-R-A-C-C-I-O-L-I, Cellars, come taste the difference. No matter what business you're in, what happens in Washington can make the difference between business success or failure. That's why understanding where government is headed is so important in today's competitive business environment. But where can you find experts who know firsthand the inner workings of our nation's capital? The American Program Bureau is your leading source for speakers whose experience offer unique insights into where U.S. policy is headed. Speakers like Seth Harris, former acting U.S. Secretary of Labor, Alyssa Mastromonaco, former White House Deputy Chief of Staff, and General Carl Eikenberry, former U.S. Ambassador to Afghanistan. For your next meeting or conference, contact the American Program Bureau at apbspeakers.com or 617-614-1600. That's apbspeakers.com. The American Program Bureau, making history one speech at a time. Paid for by No One 45, Californians Against Higher Healthcare Costs. Major funding by Kaiser Foundation Health Plan Inc., WellPoint Inc., and Blue Shield of California. With a coalition of doctors, nurses, hospitals, health plans, and California employers. Special interests already control Sacramento. Now, they're pushing Prop 45 to give one Sacramento politician control over our healthcare. One politician with control over my benefits. One politician with control over my co-pays and deductibles. One politician with control over what treatment options are covered. One Sacramento politician. Who can take millions in campaign contributions from special interests. Who would control our health care. One politician. One. Prop 45 just gives too much power to one politician. Get the facts at knowon45.org. And join doctors, nurses, and small businesses across California and vote no on 45. Stop the politician power grab. Do you have a plan for your money? Does your money come and go like the tides? Do you just leave your finances to fate? Cash is always flowing. Money is always moving. And if you don't manage it, it will move away from you. So many people actually spend more time planning their next trip to the dentist than they do something even more important like their retirement. You know what they say, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. Don't leave your financial future to fate. Take charge. Listen to Money Moves every Thursday at 7 p.m. here on KSCO AM 1080. Money Moves is dedicated to providing you tips and tools so you can manage your own money effectively. No one cares about your money more than you do. Therefore, you need the skills to manage your money. Listen to Money Moves every Thursday at 7 p.m. here on KSCO AM 1080.
Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is Carol Mosley-Braun. Now, uh, after serving in the Senate, you were appointed to the position of ambassador to New Zealand and Samoa. And as I understand it, while serving in this position, you learned a lot about how diet, nutrition, and fitness are an integral part of that country's healthcare system. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, thank you. I, I, I used to call myself ambassador to paradise because between New Zealand, which is just gorgeous, and Samoa and the Cook Islands and that whole area of the South Pacific, it was just such a beautiful place, and the people were always so nice to me. And I got a chance to get around and really, again, expand my own horizons. Um, New Zealand, being an island, pays a lot of attention to health and nutrition and prevention and wellness because um, they have universal health coverage. And so in as much as the government pays for everybody's health care, it's in their interest to see to it, to do what they can to keep people from getting sick in the first place. And so I found that very interesting. Being an island also, they are very um, attentive to to the, what 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 food is brought into the country, what kind of food, how their agricultural practices and the like. I had um, been involved with agriculture uh, from my days. Well, actually, my my family has a farm in Alabama that I would spend time on as a, as a little girl. And then uh, when I got to the state legislature, uh, Illinois is a largely agricultural state. There's a joke just outside of Chicago. There's a place called Illinois. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> right, our state is is agricultural, and so I had a lot of uh, involvement with agriculture policy in the state legislature. Then when I got to the Senate, um, I was the first woman in history to be on the Senate Finance Committee, and of course that meant that I had a chance to get engaged with the Farm Bill and other policy issues pertaining to um, you know agriculture policy for our country. And then on to an agricultural country like New Zealand, right? People, again, another joke, more sheep than people. It's not as bad as as people make out to be, but there are more sheep than people in New Zealand still. And um, so so between all those those, um, uh, involvements, and then I'd been involved with uh, a group. I was, in fact, on the board of an organization that was promoting what's called biodynamic organic agriculture. Really, it's sustainable agriculture. It is agriculture. I call it the traditional organic. Uh, it relates to how you treat the soil, how you treat the permaculture, the, the terroir, if you will, of the of of the product that you're developing. Now, how is that different from regular organic farming? For people who aren't experts at farming, uh, how is that? How is biodynamics different? Well, you know, I like to say that organic is defined in the negative whereas biodynamic is defined in the positive. That is to say, organic just means there's no junk on your, on your food. That means there's no pesticides, no chemicals. Uh, that's what that means, defined in terms of what's not there. Mm-hmm. Biodynamic goes the next step and says, this is a system of agriculture that will enhance the soil, that relies on companion planting, that relies on putting nutrients back into the soil, that uses only uh, herbs and other natural forms of, of, of what's the support for the crops that are being grown. And so, so we, have a, we have an idea in our, in our country that uh, clean food means responsible farming. But you're saying clean food doesn't mean responsible farming unless, you, unless you've done it in using biodynamic techniques. Well, you know, I think we have to make the first step to clean food, which is getting the junk out. I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. I really do. I, I'm a great supporter of agriculture, uh, of organic agriculture, because, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's such an, uh, an important fundamental point, because so much of our, of our food is, is polluted uh, in ways, and frankly, in ways that, they don't, that folks don't want to even talk about. I mean, right now in, 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 in Colorado, you have a, a, a ballot initiative about genetic modification, G- GMOs. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, ask yourself, who doesn't want to let you know what's in your food? I mean, <laughs> put aside whether you think genetic modification is a good or bad idea, the point that a, that a consumer, someone who's going to eat or drink something, wouldn't know that what they're what they're consuming is has been genetically modified uh, just seems to me to be an indefensible point and yet if you look at our food supply there are many instances in which people are consuming 
products that they don't know what went into the production of those products and some of the things that have gone into and continue to go into those products does actual harm to their bodies. So so I think that moving to the organic standard first and being concerned about not having, again, junk on the food um, uh, and in production, that's the first step. And mm-hmm. then I think the next step beyond that is focusing in on what are you doing about the permaculture? What are you doing about the land? Are you, are you coming with agricultural processes that will enhance uh, um, the, the, the quality of the soil uh, as opposed to take away from it? And that's what biodynamic or agriculture Now, you had made plans to restore your family farm. Is that right? I did. I did. I had wanted to. Um, I'd wanted to restore the family, the farm. It hasn't been farmed in a generation since I was little, um, um, and so I had wanted to go back there. And I had actually gotten started with it when I came back to this country from New Zealand, but uh, 9/11 got in the way, and my whole family is here in Chicago, and I just couldn't keep making the commute from uh, from uh, Alabama and Georgia to Illinois on a weekly basis, and so I, I decided I'd resettle here in Chicago, and and um, then after thinking about it, I decided to start my little company, uh, my or- biodynamic organics, but we do some regular organic products, uh, and that's how this company, how Ambassador Organics got started. Now, what kinds of uh, products are biodynamic today? Oh, lots. Um, uh, we have their biodynamic teas. Well, outside of this country, you know, tea doesn't grow here in the United States and neither mm-hmm. does coffee. But we have biodynamic teas, biodynamic coffee, biodynamic vegetables of every sort. Uh, so all the different produce you can find in biodynamic form, if the, if the grower, uh, you know, is inclined to label it as such, uh, there are, there's a, uh, Wheat. I mean, there there there's flowers that you can get in terms of uh, of, of um, flour and meal and and uh, olive oil, of course. Um, so really, uh, milk. I mean, you go right across the board, and there every product that you can think of that you can find in organic form, you can find in biodynamic form. And how can you find out if it's done biodynamically? Well, some people are beginning. It, that's a that's a real industry. Um, my 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 son would call it mishkadoodle. Okay, so <laughs> I like that word. <laughs> uh, but the fact is that there there are not enough people uh, who uh, have who a, know what biodynamic is, and then there's precious little labeling of biodynamic. There's a group that certifies the biodynamics, and they're promoting uh, more. Um, advertising, if you will, of the biodynamic source of, of our organic product, because they have to, by definition, be organic. I mean, you can't have biodynamic without having without it being organic. Right, but we need some kind of label like Intel inside, you know? Well, I mean, some yeah, some easy way to identify, right? <clears throat> yes, the labeter is the Demeter, D-E-M-E-T-E-R, like the, mm-hmm. like the goddess of harvest, but Demeter is the label for biodynamic certified products. Okay, well, we'll start looking for that label now, and I hope it shows up in more places. Now, we have to take another break. We'll be right back with more from Carol Mosley-Braun. You're listening to The Costa Report. season is just around the corner and I want to share one of my favorite tips for being able to avoid that last minute dash to buy something that screams I didn't put much thought into this. Now imagine a different scenario this year. Imagine the surprise on your loved one's face when they open the first page of the Watchman's Rattle and see a custom dedication in their name by the author. The best part is it's so easy. Just go to RebeccaCosta.com, do it right now, and click on the book cover and presto. In less than three minutes, you can request the inscription you want. So do it now. Go to RebeccaCosta.com, and this year, give an affordable, thoughtful gift that says, this is for you and only you. That's RebeccaCosta.com.
There are 700,000 horses in California, and I'm wondering how they get around. Hello, Michael Olson here, RV Service Center, 2525 Mission, way up at the top of Santa Cruz with Rena Mills, the owner. Rena, how do they get around? They all get around in horse trailers. And yes, we service horse trailers here at RV Service Center. We do axles, we do leak repair, we do wiring, brake, we do insurance, we do it all. The number one neglect I see most often, Michael, are the axles. Axles need to be serviced every 5,000 miles or two years, and that keeps you rolling along smoothly and getting to your destination. What happens if you don't service the axles? You know those people you see alongside of the road waiting for AAA? That's what happens when you don't service the axles. We offer 20% discount to any members of the Santa Cruz Horsemen's Association. So if you've got a horse, trailer, bring it on down to RV Service Center. RV Service Center, way up at the top of Santa Cruz, 25 25 Mission, right off Highway 1, can't miss it. RV Service Center has been locally owned and operated since 1976. Hi, registered pharmacist Ben Fuchs here. I've been studying healthy bodies for 35 years, and what I've got to tell you may shock and surprise you, but if you listen up, it may change your life. Pharmacy students are taught that the ubiquitous RX prescription symbol refers to the Latin designation to take. But as it turns out, there's another more mysterious and occult tradition associated with the well-known sigil that derives from the religion of ancient Egypt. The Egyptians regarded Horus as the father of medicine. Horus, it is said, was the son of two primary Egyptian deities, Osiris and Isis. He was also the avenger of his father's death at the hands of Osiris' brother, the wicked Uncle Set, with whom he did battle, losing his left eye in the fight. Thoth, the patron deity of physicians and scientists, magically healed the eye and gave it back to Horus, who then used it as a remedy to restore his father Osiris to the world of the living. Thus began the legend of the Eye of Horus, which initially referenced Sirius, the brightest star in the sky. Over time, it was linked to the sun, and from there was a short leap to connecting the eye to light and sight, and later it became a powerful marker representing healing and rebirth. Egyptians referred to the eye with the term wejat, meaning whole or health, and they associated the symbol with protection, prosperity, and abundance. And, of course, it shows up in modern culture in Freemasonry's all-seeing eye. So what's this got to do with pharmacy? Well, as it turns out, the eye of Horus bears an interesting resemblance to the Latin designation Rx. While pharmacy students learn that it's a mere directive to the patient, there are those who believe it's actually an acknowledgement of the historical and occult foundations of the ancient practice of pharmacy. Pharmacist Ben here urging you to go to kscohealth.com to order Beyond Tangy Tangerine, the Healthy Start Pack, and other nutritional supplements that I personally use and recommend. You can purchase these premium quality products at wholesale prices online at kscohealth.com. That's kscohealth.com. I'm a pharmacist that believes that staying healthy and strong is not only about medicine, it's about giving your body the raw materials it needs to do its work. Go to kscohealth.com. Make sure you check out the cool videos, too, at kscohealth.com. That's kscohealth.com. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and if you're just joining us, my guest today is Carol Mosley-Braun. And before the break, you were giving the labeling for uh, biodynamically grown products, which is, is it Demeter? Demeter. Demeter, as in the god of harvest. That's right, of the goddess of harvest. That's the goddess of har- harvest, Demeter. Uh, so hopefully we'll be looking for those labels. Now, in New Zealand, the government uh, is quite aggressive when it comes to legislating requirements for clean food and also sustainable uh, farming. So do we need more government leadership in these areas, or is this a case where consumer demand will naturally solve the problem? Well, I'll tell you something. It's both, and and finding balance is always a challenge. But in the first instance, the consumer demand really is driving the process and driving the growth in the organic sector. And and the more people know about what's in their food, the more people uh, connect what they eat with their own uh, physical health, the more this this sector will grow. In my opinion, I think it's inevitable. Uh, to use another word, I think it's ineluctable. It can't be avoided because people, uh, you know, there's so much disease and there's so much suffering that is needless because of junk that's in that's in our food supply. So I think that there's going to be a natural evolution on the one hand. On the other, having standards is vitally important. And, for example, we now have a national organic program that's been federally legislated. There's something called the National Organic Standards Board. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting how much that has become a battleground for you know, this little agency nobody ever heard of, right? A battleground for the future of agriculture. 
uh, whether or not we continue down the path of genetic modification and more chemicals on the food supply and, you know, then give somebody some medication to, to, to fix something that their food caused, um, we can either continue down that path or move in the direction of cleaner food, better food, better nutrition. But the National Organic Standards Board is where the fight is taking place because there are some efforts and some very, very deep pockets behind, again, allowing for genetic modification, allowing for additives in processing. You may have heard the story about uh, about the the yoga mat, <laughs> yoga mat fibers that were in, in, a, in a bread product recently. Um, happily, that company has taken the bread off the market, <clears throat> but they had yoga mat fabrics in it. Or uh, so, so, so food has become a real battleground, frankly, uh, because there's billions of dollars involved, and uh, and the conventional agriculture sector uh, has a lot at stake in keeping people from knowing what's in their food. And I think that that again, consumers are beginning to demand uh, to know what's in their food, what 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 goes into processing it. But sometimes their voices get drowned out. I mean, there was a, a situation in which uh, right now, I think I mentioned the ballot initiative in, in, in Colorado on genetic modification. Um, the, 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 the citizens initiative has been outspent by almost a factor of 40 to 1. Wow. That's 40 to 1. 40 to 1. One million dollars for the people who want you to know what's in what genetic, whether or not your food has been genetically modified, and forty million on the other side of people who just as soon not have labeling and have you not know what it is that you're eating. I mean, it's just so. So you know, when you ask, is it government or the private or or or, or the consumer? I come down on the side of saying it's both, and we have to engage where we can to not only talk to our friends and neighbors and and be engaged, just just. You know, search out the truth for yourself. If you know that your children are eating zuzus and whamwams and can't, uh, you know, ha- don't have the energy to go out and do any- anything but play video games, you know, you're not you're not helping them. <laughs> so you got to take some personal responsibility for what it is that you're providing for your children, what it is you're eating, and what you buy at the store. Mm-hmm. And I think again, now what do, what do you say to folks who worry that the price of food will go up if we move to sustainable methods and clean foods? Uh, today, on average, organically grown foods cost more. So, uh, does this move to organics hurt the poorest in the country? Well, I got to tell you that is a real concern. And um, and 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 one of the things I learned from being in government all these years is that you know costs are kind of like a balloon that you punch in one place. And, 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 and the air just moves to somewhere else. So the fact is that, yes, it is a fact that organic products are right now generally more expensive. That is going to change, again, organically over time as more acres are put into organic production, as consumer demand for organic products grows, as there's more sales. You know, the whole economy is a scale. That, those prices will come down in that way uh, over time. But the fact is that right now... You are, we, taxpayers, we are paying for the addition of pollutants on our food supply. You know, we pay not only through the, not only through the farm bill, but we pay for um, the, the, the price supports of the, uh, of the, that, that, uh, that actually make it more profitable for companies to um, put chemicals on their crops. Um, uh, you know, that, there's a whole set of, of, of relationships, economic relationships, that taxpayers are supporting that in turn support bad health, which then in turn supports people having to rely more on, um, you know, a healthcare industry that, that comes to their aid with the pill, again, for something from in many instances for things that could have been, if not prevented, then ameliorated uh, on the front end by prevention. Yeah, you know, I always uh, thought it was funny when the telephone company made me pay not to print my name in the telephone book back when we had telephone <laughs> books. And I always thought it was weird that I had to pay more money when you didn't have to pay to put the pesticides on my food. I thought I, those should be savings for me, but it, but all those things seem to be backwards, don't they? Well, but that's where you get, and you ask the question about government. That's where the role of government comes in. I mean, the fact is, it shouldn't... It, Logic tells you that if you don't put chemicals on a, on, a, on, a, on a tomato, that tomato should be cheaper than the one you put chemicals on, right? Well, I thought not having my f- name in the phone book saved them a little ink. 
It should. Uh, but but no, it's it, it, we we kind of live in a backwards world. <laughs> I have to pay to have you not spend money. I I, I don't I don't completely understand it. it. You would think that organic food might be cheaper, but you do point out, and and you know I've I've uh, uh, researched a lot of the presentations that you've made on biodynamic farming, and uh, one of the things that you point out is the more consumer demand there is, the prices will come down. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And that's and that really is that's the that's the place where every citizen, every person, every person who eats is empowered. Because every person makes a decision with every fork full of whatever it is, whether or not you're gonna you're gonna choose the polluted product or one that's clean or the, or you choose the clean food. And and that's a decision that doesn't that nobody can make you eat a genetically modified tomato if you know that it's genetically modified in the first place and if you choose not to put uh, pollutants or toxins in your body. I mean, that's a matter of individual choice. And so the more we talk about this and let people know that they have the power to change the whole game, they can change the way the farm bill works. I mean, we've had to fight to hold on to the organic program, but quite frankly, one of the issues, for example, in putting more acres and acreage into organic production is the fact that the, the soil has to be clean. That is to say, the soil has to be clean and free of pesticides for three years before a license, an organic certification can be given. Yes. For many farmers, that's very difficult to do. You know, you want to just take your, take your land out of production for that long a period of time. And so, and so the transition from conventional farming with chemicals to organic farming without has costs associated with it. And the more the demand we have, the more on, on the consumer demand on the one hand, but the more government can step up and say, okay, we're going to help the organic farmer as much as we help the farmer who's putting, you know, all these chemicals on, 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 his, on his crops, his products. Um, if, if, we can, if we can push things in that direction, I think we'll be able to increase the organic supply, and at the same time bring the prices down. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I agree with you, and I think, uh, as you point out, one of the most exciting developments is uh, hearing that companies like Walmart are talking about democratizing sustainability by making green products more affordable and more available to a wider cross-section of uh, society. Now, we have to take our final break, but stay right where you are. We'll be back to talk about farming and health care reform. You're listening to the Costa Report. Do you love creating salads as much as you enjoy eating them? Hi, I'm Amy Tobin, cookbook author and culinary expert. Dole inspires fresh and wholesome dishes for any meal with their wide selection of salad blends and all-natural salad kits. From the mild and tender texture of sweet butter lettuce to the crunch of classic romaine sprinkled with colorful shredded carrots and red cabbage, Dole has over 30 salad blends to satisfy every palate. If you're looking for the ultimate in convenience, try Dole's unique salad kit combinations that include farm-fresh lettuces and vegetables, mouth-watering all-natural toppings, and specially made dressings. It's all you need to make a distinctively delicious salad. The possibilities are endless. Visit www.dolesalads.com for recipes and other ideas to feed your culinary imagination. As a scientist who works hard to stay on top of current events and trends, I know how easy it is to get caught up in the details of a story and lose sight of the big picture. What is happening to society as a whole? Where are we headed? Why does it feel as if there's greater instability, unrest, and danger in the world? The truth is, very few of us have time to contemplate these questions. And if we're waiting for our leaders or the media to paint a clear picture, well, we may be in for a long wait. That's why I'm urging you to grab a copy of The Watchman's rattle do it now go to rebeccacosta.com find out why scientists government leaders and the heads of the largest corporations in america are waking up to a newly uncovered pattern of human behavior that's the watchman's rattle at rebeccacosta.com a bestseller in 26 countries and a book that richard branson donald trump and experts everywhere are calling a must read that's the watchman's rattle available at bookstores everywhere and online at rebeccacosta.com 
Look before you leap. Good advice for deciding what to do about Proposition 46. Written and paid for by the trial lawyers to make millions for themselves. Prop 46 is a risk Californians literally cannot afford. That's the warning from state budget experts who've carefully studied Prop 46. The experts conclude Prop 46 would increase state and local government health care costs by hundreds of millions of dollars annually. In fact, Prop 46 will increase our total health care costs by billions of dollars in just a few years. That's up to $1,000 more for a family of four every year. And taxpayers like us will be on the hook for it. The San Francisco Chronicle says Prop 46 overreached in a decidedly cynical way. In fact, every major newspaper in California opposes it. Those are the costs. Those are the risks. And why to vote no on Prop 46? Paid for by no on 46. Patients, providers, and health care insurers to contain health costs. With major funding from the Cooperative American Physicians IE Committee and the Doctors' Company. When the going gets tough, the tough get going to North Bay Ford in Santa Cruz for a built Ford tough truck. Hello, I'm Bobby Robinson. It's Ford Truck Month here at North Bay Ford. Our locally owned dealership with friendly, small town values. And Truck Month means great deals for you on built Ford Tough Trucks. Select one of our 10 F-150 models at North Bay Ford. For hauling a load of lumber to the job, the kids out camping, or the groceries home from the store, nothing beats a Ford F-150 XL or STX with estimated EPA mileage of 17 in town and 23 on the highway. Available in regular Super and Super Crew cabs. When you need a tough truck for tough jobs, you'll find it during Truck Month here at North Bay Ford. They are big, beautiful, and built Ford tough. So come on down and get behind the wheel at locally owned North Bay Ford, 1999 Cal Avenue, Santa Cruz, or on the web at NorthBayFord.com. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is former Senator Carol Mosley-Braun. Now, there's been a lot of talk about health care reform, but uh, so far, all the focus uh, this first year has been on enrollment and uh, getting people who had no insurance coverage um, to get them covered. Uh, we haven't been able to tack reducing, tackle uh, reducing costs in any way. So when it comes to taking on the real source of many illnesses, uh, which is what we put inside our bodies and also our lifestyle, it, it feels like we're light years away from getting around to that. And some people feel that that's a matter of education uh, at the earliest possible age, something schools in collaboration with parents have to take on. But others want government intervention, such as the recent case where uh, one state tried to limit the, the size of soda which could be sold. And they argue that the government's going to end up footing the bill on the back end uh, in terms of health care, so it should have some say on the front end. Do you, do you have any thoughts about that link between nutrition and fitness and health care reform? I'm sorry, I just choked just a second ago. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I do have lots of thoughts, but let me just say this. It's just like everything else. It's a matter of finding, you know, and this is what government is supposed to do, finding the balance, finding the happy medium. The fact of the matter is, that it's not, we don't need to go to a nanny state in order to have um, healthier people and have, have, a, have, have to improve the quality of, of, of life for people and in prevention and wellness. We don't, you know, we can do that. Education is one thing, but also the way our healthcare system works. <coughs> but, we, but we don't seem to be doing much on the prevention side, are we? Are we doing what we should be doing to uh, keep people from developing these illnesses when we, in fact, know the causes? Well, you know what? I think on the one hand, let me just a little good news, right? Mm -hmm. A little good news on this front is think about the difference in the the, the leaps that have been made in regard to cigarette smoking. I mean, Mm -hmm. we have in our, at least in my lifetime, there's been a tremendous, almost a cultural change in terms of, people smoking cigarettes and, and the impact of, of, of all the different types of lung and heart disease that come from that. So we have had some victories. Uh, but, you know, we're so dysfunctional. We drop cigarettes and we move on to fast food. Well, yeah. I mean, when, when you and I were kids, you know, it, it was too expensive to go down and have, you know, to buy a burger at a joint. 
I mean, I, 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 my parents, that, that was a, a special treat. It was uh, unheard of. <laughs> it was unheard of, but, but, but now, you know, we drop cigarettes and we move on to soda and, uh, and fast food. Well, I mean, we, we just seem to just not get it right. You know, my son, again, back to my wise son, who's very funny, who, who says every generation gets to make the same mistakes, okay? so <laughs> <laughs> Hey, wait, we were trying to keep this positive. <laughs> oh, I hope we're not on that treadmill. But I, I have to say, you know, we've been talking about some important issues, health care, nutrition, sustainable farming, doing what's right for the planet, clean foods. Um, uh, and, and these things affect us not only socially, but economically as well. But I, to be real honest with you, doesn't the real battle come down to taste? I, I, I mean, there is no way anyone's going to convince me that a veggie burger tastes as good as a Cinnabon or yogurt is the same as ice cream. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I've been down that road. It's not the same. <laughs> except that, yeah, but except that taste is largely cultural as well, if you think about it. I used to give the, t- I, I, just by way of reference, there was something, the Roman, the Roman Empire uh, had a, uh, claimed a, a dish called garum. It was actually a condiment. And garum went on just about everything. It was a fish-based sauce that was very popular in, 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 throughout the known world at that point uh, because of the Roman Empire, the influence of the Roman Empire. Well, if you ask somebody for some garum today, they will look at you like you've lost their mind. It, you know, when the Roman Empire fell, basically that food that was so vitally important went away. Now, there's some vestiges of it, but it basically is gone. And the same thing, maybe one day people look back and say, you know, that, that genetically modified calorie-laden uh, beef burger, right, uh, is the equivalent of, of garum. If it, but it's a matter of, of taste. It's a matter of consumer taste. You're, and, and so I guess we're... And, and it is. It is a matter of consumer taste. I agree with you completely. But, you know, I, I'm a biologist by training. I know that a Cinnabon has no value to my body and okay. is full of poison. And is, I, yep. I should not eat a Cinnabon ever again the rest of my life. But, but if the, because your taste buds tell oh, you oh, just I even I, if if I even walk through a mall and smell one, I have to have one. <laughs> and and there's no excuse for me, you know. So what I want is I want the folks that develop healthy foods to make something that will trick me and think I'm eating a cinnabon, but not if they have to make a paragraph go with it. You know, not if they have to talk to me while I'm eating it to convince me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Our products, we, Ambassador Organics focuses primarily on beverages. And so we've got coffees and teas and the like. Well, one of our products is, uh, is a hibiscus tea that is just gorgeous. And, and people who come from south of the border um, know about hibiscus teas. People who come from the, from the deep south know about hibiscus tea. But uh, really in places like the Midwest, it's fairly unknown. Well, the funniest thing is to stand at one of our demos when we're serving hibiscus tea. The number of kids who come up and say, oh, Mommy, can I have some Kool-Aid? And when they taste it, they say, oh, but it doesn't have any sugar in it. <laughs> uh, kids, that would be me. That would be me complaining about that. Well, uh, we are almost out of time, but uh, I, I have to ask you, where can listeners uh, today go to learn more about your work in biodynamic farming? Well, our website is ambassadororganics.com. Organics is A-M-B-A-S-S-A-D-O-R-O-R-G-A-N-I-C-S.com. And, um, and, yeah, so that's about the best place to go would be to our website. All right, so I have one more question for you, and I don't want you to be mad at me. Um, I, now that you've fully recovered from politics, any plans to wade back in? No. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think so. You sound too happy. Well, I can't, you know, I'm having can't imagine. a great time. I got to tell you, and the quick story is that we wrap up. I was in Antarctica as ambassador to New Zealand. I actually saw with my own eyes a glacier crack open and fall into the sea. If yeah. we don't do something in our time about sustainability, we won't have a planet to turn over to the next generation and the next generation. And that's not something I'm prepared to stand by and watch happen on my watch, my little time on this planet. So we all have an opportunity and an obligation, I think, to engage for sustainability, for nutrition, for all these things that help make life better for the people who are going to come after us. 
Well, I, I agree with you there. Uh, it's hard for me to look my kids in the face and uh, know what we're leaving behind. So I think if just all the mothers got together, we might be able to uh, do something about that. Unfortunately, that is all the time that we've got left. But before we say goodbye, I, I want to thank you for your service to our country. And thank you for making time to be with us today, Ms. Braun. Thank you. Well, thank you for a delightful interview. I've enjoyed this. And you come back anytime. We'd love to have you. If your station is leaving us after this first hour and you have a question or a comment to make about our interview with Carol Mosley Braun today, uh, you can email me at RebeccaCosta.com or drop me a note on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, with all the talk about health care reform, we seem to be focused uh, on the enrollment side of the issue. And there hasn't been much impact on the rising costs of health care and, more importantly, the causes of many of our illnesses, which science has now proven come from poor diets and lifestyles. But just how much should the government get involved? Most of us don't want the government to decide what we can and should eat. But uh, what do we do if, if we keep making bad choices and uh, and the government has to eventually foot our hospital bills? It's a complicated issue and one we continue to struggle with in this country. So send me your comments at RebeccaCosta.com. I'd like to know how you see it. And if you missed the full interview with uh, Ms. Braun or any of our other previous guests, remember that you can download previous episodes of the Costa Report from our our website, Apple iTunes, Podbean, and our YouTube channel. We keep programs up on our website for three and four years. They're all posted at RebeccaCosta.com. That's easy to remember. It's MyName.com. And while you're at the website, grab your autographed copy of The Watchman's Rattle. Just click on the cover of the book, and it'll take you right over to a page where you can order it. Uh, And if you're getting ready to purchase your holiday gifts and looking for a customized and affordable gift, order The Watchman's Rattle because we're inscribing the first page with a custom dedication to your loved one at no additional cost. Now, my guest next week, you're going to want to pencil this in, is the former governor of New Jersey and head of the Environmental Protection Agency, Christine Todd Whitman, who says the EPA has the power to affect something as daunting as climate change. Is she right? Find out next week on the only news program that puts policy ahead of politics. Now stay tuned for a second hour of Straight Talk Radio. You're listening to the Costa Report. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network its staff and management.